is this tape? This is my favorite tape. This is the BSN Denver Buffs Podcast. Powered by the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Looks to throw Fade Rock to the right side. Shea Field. Caught! Touchdown, Colorado! White with a left hand. It's coming out across over the right. Another pull up three. Derek Goff! Colorado had six back-to-back three-pointers. Derek White. Montez drops back. Throws deep. He's got Shea Fields on the 10. Caught! Caught! Touchdown, Colorado! Now, here are your hosts. You hear that? That's the hype train, baby. Jake Shabiro. Ryan Cornisberg. Yeah, I'm I love you more. You know. You can't find love the Rihanna Lawrence. said you can. <laughs> and I know. Stop. No, I've never been mad. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Allie Monroy. Step one, be attractive. Step two, don't be unattractive. <laughs> Welcome into the BSN Buffs podcast coming from the Blake Street Tavern, of course, presented by the Blake Street Tavern. Jake Shapiro back on the BSN Buffs podcast, joined by Ryan Koningsberg, Ali Monroy, and Samantha, just call her Sam, Weaver. Hey. Yeah. Uh, they're like, the gang's all here, except for Chase, who's, who's sick. So, best recoveries to one, Chase Howell, the mighty 19-year-old out there. Yes, we, we wish the best for Chase. <laughs> Remember being sick when you were 19? What did that mean? That meant uh, that I, for some reason, wanted to watch Texans Bengals and drink a lot last <laughs> night. There's no way Chase is hungover for whatever reason. I think he actually had stuff to do. Yeah, I think he's actually. Who sick. knows how old he is? Haha. God. We'll have to chase down that story. He's and we're off to the races. God, I'm glad Jake is back. We're back at it, folks. Yeah, I'm not enjoying the puns already. This is going to be a long, long night. So the Buffs are 2-0. Best part of their season so far, Ryan. Uh, from my perspective, what do you think it is? The best part of their season so far. From Jake Shapiro's perspective. From Jake Shapiro's perspective. <laughs> I don't know. Jacob Collier's really good. And I get to say, Jacob Collier on the broadcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> must like, be fun to say things wrong. Cool. No, that's how you it's say it. It's the way he says Colorado. It, he does it in the same voice. Colorado. The Colorado Buffaloes. You could call, we could start calling him Colorado. Colorado. I like that. That's, he's got a lot in common with me, Jacob Colorado. You know, it's like, it's, that's my whole thing. You two probably have, like, very few things in common. Uh, <laughs> we both like the number four. He, oh. li- he likes it so much he wore it twice. It's like you liking number one so much you wear it twice. So, like, he just likes being fourth place twice? Because I, I like 11 for that same reason. But it's a really good nickname, uh, Quattro Quattro. Probably not. You call him fours, though. I like, I like when people do that. Speaking of nicknames, uh, <laughs> Javier Edwards is coming up later on the podcast. Chase and Sam interviewed him. And uh, we're not going to call him by the nickname he suggested, but he does suggest that people call him by a new nickname apparently people the on the team call him that no i fully support his nickname i'm just saying it's, i fully support all fans calling him his nickname this is a tease we'll get to the nickname later uh but first i think we've got to talk about blake street tavern uh you know what's coming up ryan road games colorado buffalo's road games i know this four game start to the season uh three at folsom field all at home a lot of fans there But soon enough, the Colorado Buffaloes will be out on the road, and that will be against Oregon State, Washington State, some big games coming up on the road. And if you want to feel like you're at home while the Buffs are on the road, the best place to do that is the Blake Street Tavern. 
Absolutely. There's no better place. In fact, I could argue that it's possible to have more fun in the Blake Street Tavern during a road game than it is at Folsom Field. I'm not saying it's it's a foregone conclusion. I'm saying it's possible. Have you ever gotten <laughs> a gash on your leg at Folsom Field? No, but I did hurt myself once. Uh, there's like a part of the student section that goes a little bit higher from the field. Yeah. And I didn't realize it while I was rushing the field against Oklahoma in 2007. For some reason, I was in the student section at the ripe age of 15. But I went to leap over the 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 gate to go down on the field, and I was like, oh, this is a 10-foot fall. And so I like kind of like tried to grab onto the pole and scratch my arm really bad. Oh That's the only God. injury I've sustained at Folsom, I think. So you've sustained as many injuries at Folsom Field as you have at Blake Street Tavern celebrating. Yes, but one, did it one hurt one. when were you just like so in the moment that it just you didn't even? Well, yeah, think I mean, I was like rushing the field. I didn't notice until some person next to me had like blood on them. And I was <laughs> oh like, God, oh, that Ryan. person's ble- nope. That's my blood. <laughs> That's awful. It's. It's a tough game, the game of football, and a tough, tough game being in the student section. Uh, speaking of which, Colorado is at home against Texas State. Apparently, there was a crowd of about 45,000 people there. That definitely was not true. Uh, but it's me and 44,999 of my closest friends. <laughs> you know, it was a fun time. I was really glad to get back out there. Uh, and I know this has been a little bit of an ad for Blake Street. Uh, we saw the Blake Street Tavern tailgate out on Franklin Field. That was a lot of fun. We stopped by there, ran into a lot of former buffs, Andre Roberson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Nelson Spruce, uh, Tyler, Tyler McCulloch, like all the legendary names. Bo Gamble, of course, Roman the Town. Dwight Thorne and I had a really nice conversation. It was really nice to just see everyone around Boulder. And Blake Street Tavern now offering, they had the Rise shirts last year, which were way better than anyone else's Rise shirts. Because they had the font right. Chris went out and got the font right. Right. Now they have the Never Stop Rising shirts, uh, which are also dope. So come get you one. I've got one, and uh, it is sweet. It is sweet. (laughs) I will vouch for the Never Stop Rising shirts. But Colorado, the reason we we It's also an advertisement for Viagra. Oh, (laughs) my God, Ryan. Like I'm pretty sure children. Does it come with a warning underneath? Like, didn't someone last year tell us that they used to listen to the Buffs podcast? BSM on their Buffs way to the game. On their way to the game with their kids in the car. I mean, do their kids even know what that is? They're asking, "Hey, mom, what's Viagra?" Exactly. Why do you got to do that? That's that's not on me. That's on mom. <laughs> or dad, because he's. Okay. You know. All right. Can we talk about Colorado? Uh, the reason why we're spinning our <laughs> wheels and haven't gotten to this game yet because uh, that was one of the most boring Colorado football <laughs> games I've seen in a while. They beat Texas State, the Bobcats, 37-3. to And as I texted Ryan and, and Tyler Ziskin in the group chat after, Bob's greater than Bobcats because that's, of course, what we call everyone because of Dijon Wilson a few years back. But what I will say about this game as I was texting our friend Ted Chalfin, who also writes for BS and Buffs, actually wrote a really good piece about the student section odyssey uh, that he took, so you should go check that out. Uh, Ted and I were instrumental in creating what is the unit football now, and Ted pencils and pens a great story about that. But anyways, I texted Ted after the game. I'm like, that was one of the worst football games I've seen in a long time. And Ted goes, could be worse, dot, 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 sack state. And I'm like, that's true. Like, they still did win by 34, but, man, that was a brutal football game to watch. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I had CSU fans texting me, talking crap (laughs) during the game. Like, after losing the week before, that's how bad the buffs looked early in the game. That CSU fans had the nerve to say something about it. Um, And honestly, it just came down to the offense looking just absolutely 
inept. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of different quotes and stories out of CU saying that the, that the offense is just, is just fine, but it doesn't look like it to me. Uh, and I know it takes time to gel, and, you know, this is kind of the preseason to college football, uh, you know, like the NFL has. So I, I'm not giving up hope by any means on the offense. But, man, it should be so easy with the weapons they have against a trash team like Texas State to absolutely waltz up and down the field. And I realize they ended up putting up 37 points, but it's kind of like it's it's similar to a preseason game where it's like, well, yeah, they put up – 37 points, but they didn't look great when it really counted. And when you consider... In the beginning of the game, like when when both teams were fresh, when... when exactly. When, Texas State was playing at altitude. They had about maybe 35 to 40 players there. They had they weren't going too deep. Like, they could only run their ones all, all game. So the Buffs wore Texas State out, which is great. They wore them out. But they should be able to win ones versus ones against a team like Texas State. Oh. No, I mean, I was going to say the, the run game was to the most concerning part to me. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I was reading and there was a stat saying the bus finished with just 91 yards on the ground. That's the fifth time in the last 16 games when they didn't get over the 100-yard mark. And the other teams that held them to that were Michigan, USC, Washington, and Oklahoma State. Those are all top 10 teams, and they weren't able to do it with Texas State. Maybe this Texas State is just really good. <laughs> I mean, the state of Texas has some good football teams. Uh, Sam, I don't know if you can vouch for Texas State as a program, but they uh, came in last year as about 125th in both offense and defense out of 129 teams in the FCS. They're, Texas State is easily one of the worst football programs in the state of Texas, so I don't really know about Could Katy High School beat Texas State? I mean, I think it depends on the year. I think it depends <laughs> on the season, maybe. The, the, the fact that she even waited a second before <laughs> answering that told you everything you need This to. is the Alabama Lions question. Yes, exactly. I, that's my favorite question. But honestly, the offense is concerning. And it's it, you, if you're going to run for 91 yards against Texas State, a team that you should be able to destroy in the trenches. And I don't think I remember a play where they opened up a big hole in the running game. Those 91 yards were a laborious 91 yards, like just chugging along two, three yards at a time. You try and do that against Washington, those are going to be negative two, three yards at a time. And who knows if they don't catch that break on the Isaiah Oliver punt return earlier in the game to get a 7-0 lead, they had zero momentum until that happened. That's not a situation you want to be in. A whole quarter in a basically a quarter and a half of football against a team that really should have no hope of winning at Folsom Field has momentum. That was not a good situation for Colorado. And I never crossed my mind that Colorado would lose that game, but it was starting to cross my mind that Texas State had a chance, and that was still in itself a bad sign. Going back to what Ryan was saying, the offensive line just struggled, in my opinion, and uh, Clayton Adams talked about how the offensive line needs that nasty attitude, and they need a different approach to what's going on, and Jeremy Irwin is going to be back this week. So hopefully against Northern Colorado, they'll improve with that. I want to give my take on the offense. I want Sam to give her take too because she's around uh, the coaching staff more and will have her opinion mixed with kind of what the guys are saying. But my takeaways from the offense are this. I had the under in both the game one and game two. I was not expecting Colorado's offense to be as good as they were hyped up. I think Colorado's offense has been overhyped since day one. 
And the big reason for that is senior quarterbacks are so important. And people didn't want to listen to Ryan and I last year and saying how important Sefa Lufau was to the Buffs. Now it looks pretty evident how Sefa Lufau was, uh, how important he was to this, this football team. Yes, Steven Montez has the talent, the athleticism, the arm, all the sexy things that a quarterback could possibly have. But Sefa Lufau got the job done. He knew how to get the job done, and he really wasn't costing you anything his senior year. He had problems with interceptions and fumbles his sophomore and junior years. His senior year did not cost you anything, and that is such a valuable thing in sports. Everyone wants to talk about the guy who makes all the star plays and makes the one-handed catches and whatnot. The guy who does not cost you anything is more valuable than that. So, for instance, when we talk about a guy like Bryce Bobo, who does make the star plays, like those one-handed catches, that are beautiful. Bryce Bobo makes some awesome catches, and he's been pretty good this year. He also misses wide-open catches two-handed. We saw this against Texas State. There's no reason Bryce Bobo should just be dropping balls against a school like Texas State. And I'm not meaning to to harp on Bryce Bobo, but it's an indictment on the offense as a whole. Because the wide receivers have been overhyped. The wide receivers should have eaten against Texas State. Yeah, I know Montez underthrew a ball to Shea Fields that should have been a touchdown. I saw that happen in front of my eyes. But in the same sense, why aren't you getting completely wide open on every single play? And they weren't. They weren't. And, I mean, who knows what is to blame for the problems of the wide receivers and the offense and the passing game and the running game or any of that. Who it kn- might just be the offensive line not giving Montez the time to protect. No, but I think it has to do with Steven Montez. I think Steven Montez just doesn't stay in the pocket long enough, and the offensive line can't do their job if Steven's just out of the pocket immediately. They don't know where he is. They're busy tackling. And then, you know, I think Steven Montez just really, like, he reads the plays, and if he doesn't see the first his first read, then he immediately kind of, like, panics and is like, I want to go for that big throw. What can I do? What can I do? And the offensive line has struggles protecting Steven when he does that. And Lingren said over the week, or over the week that he, that's something that he needs to improve on, and apparently it's a habit that Steven Montez has had since high school. The thing is about that is it makes it impossible for an offensive line. Offensive linemen have their back to the quarterback. They have to predict where the quarterback is going to be on any given play. It's not something where they can read and react to what Steven Montez is doing. So when he's rolling all over the place, the, the, the only person who can see Steven Montez is the defensive line, the pass rushers, etc. When Steven is just zigzagging back and forth in the pocket, the offensive line is hopeless because they have no idea where he's going to go. So something... It's something that he definitely has to work on, and it's something that is is a problem for a young quarterback. And so many people wanted to discount the fact that Steven Montez was a young quarterback. Oh, well, he played in the Pac-12 championship. He played in the big house. He's he, been on campus for three years. That doesn't stop him. None of that stopped him from having bad habits. Bad habits are stopped after playing an extended amount of time in football games and realizing that those cost you. You can get away with it. But now teams are expecting Steven Montez to, like Ali said, see his first read, and if it's not there, start moving around. And that's a really bad habit for him to be in, and he's going to need to fix it quickly. And what he should remember is that he does have all that talent on the outside. He needs to trust his wide receivers to get open. He needs to trust the fact that he should have a, a veteran offensive line in front of him blocking. He needs to be able to hit his back foot, look one, two, three, and if those aren't there, then take off. He needs to let routes develop. Like, they're not going to develop instantly. He needs to wait a second, stay in the pocket, and then make a play. Well, he's not even looking for the second option. Like, you were kind of saying that, Ali. Like, 
he if he looks over and the wide receiver that he's supposed to go to on that play isn't open, then he's not looking for anybody else. He's missing Shea Fields wide open, like down the field. He's uh -huh. just not even looking for it. One of the issues has been the offensive line, and sure, Mont has even admitted he's dropping back too deep, which is giving the ends time to get around the tackles. But with Montez doing that, it, it, I think it still comes back to the offensive line a little bit. And I wrote this in my story, which was the most controversial story we've ever written on BSN Buffs, uh, that the offensive line had a little concerns to me. And this was way before the season started, and everyone said, you know, they're a veteran offensive line. They've got four or five guys start returning starters, and really five if you count uh, the way things have broken because of Huckins played a lot, blah, blah, blah. Irwin is a huge loss. They've missed Irwin for the first two games. They're going to get him back. So I'll preface it with that, and that's a huge addition to this team. Jeremy Irwin is huge for this team. George Frazier. Not as big. <laughs> Jeremy Irwin is a huge Still addition big, to this team. A big person. <laughs> and he could potentially block. And they have been using their tight end and fullbacks uh, a pretty good amount. So I think he, he could be an upgrade over what well, they currently have. Well, they're also veterans, so having some more like experience on that. Sure. And team help. captains. Sure. Veterans who found a way to get themselves suspended for the first two games of the season. I mean, that, that's a good point. Which is a whole issue in itself. But mm -hmm. what I'm trying to make a point with is guys that get older, that doesn't mean they automatically develop. And we're seeing that with the offensive line. There's no clear sign that the offensive line has improved from the Alamo last year to this season right now. There's no sign that that's happened. I don't think they've taken a step back, but they definitely have not improved. And we'll see that once they get Irwin back to see where, where they are. But everyone wanted to talk about how this offensive line was going to be so good. I have not seen that one bit. I haven't either. And the fact that they weren't able to open up running lanes, the fact that they averaged just over, what, two yards a carry? 2.2 yards per carry. Just over two. I think two it was 40, ru or 40 rushing. We all know how good Phil Lindsay is. This doesn't come back to Phil. You know what's, what's worrisome, too, is it looks like they ran the ball pretty well against CSU. You take away that busted run up the middle where, where Phil Lindsay went all the way, and they really didn't run the ball all that well against CSU. So this is a... Uh, something to really keep an eye on as this team goes forward and really just starting this week if they can't run the ball against northern colorado my faith in their ability to win this game against washington which is really what everyone's starting to think about right now will go down dramatically right now i'm not feeling too great about this team they need to go out on offense and show me at least that they can put together a run game against a team that they should outclass in every facet in terms of speed, strength, agility, size, go across the board. They should be bigger, better, faster, stronger than Northern Colorado in every facet. And by that very fact, they should be able to run all over them. We know the offense has been worrisome. I think that's the correct adjective for it. But I want to talk about what else we know for sure after two weeks of football against you know, inferior teams, to, to, to be honest. They were both inferior teams. This week, same thing. It's going to be an inferior team. What do we know about this football team for certain? We're going to get to that in one second. One thing that we do know for certain is that the Blake Street Tavern remains awesome. Uh, we thank them for always hosting this podcast as well as sponsoring bsnbuffs.com in general. Without Blake Street, we would not be able to do what we do. So thank you so much to our friends over at Blake Street Tavern, which is right here because we are at Blake Street Tavern. So not over at Blake Street Tavern, but here at the Blake Street Tavern for allowing us to provide what we think is top-notch Colorado Buffaloes coverage, and we hope you agree. I also want to thank our friends over at All Buff. Special shout-out to them. Uh, a lot of them were wondering if I died. Uh, there was a whole thread on All Buffs wondering if I was okay. 
appreciate the sediment, guys, but I will say I cover a Major League Baseball team, and that has taken precedent over the Buffs right now, and who could blame me? Texas State or the Colorado Rockies? Which one are you guys choosing? Well, I think the actual question is Colorado Buffaloes or the Colorado Rockies. Well, the Rockies are playing meaningful baseball. The Buffaloes are not playing meaningful baseball. So the question is Texas State or Arizona Diamondbacks and Los Angeles Dodgers. Right. In which case, I'll give you the win. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, the only game in the next little bit you could argue that the Rockies are playing that are unmeaningful or a bad team, Giancarlo Stanton might hit 60 bombs in those games. He might hit 60 bombs in those games. Period. <laughs> in, those at, in one at bat. Put Scott over at that and see what happens. Anyway, uh, what, what do we know about this Colorado football team? I, I want your guys' opinions because I think so much of it has shifted. I know, Sam, you wrote a story about how the – focus of this team has shifted from the offense to the defense. I've been absolutely impressed with the defense through two games, but how impressed can we be because can you even name Texas State's quarterback and then Nick Stevens were the guys that they were facing. Sam, but the, yeah, but go the ahead. defense is holding up their end of the bargain. They're going against subpar teams and they're doing what they're supposed to do, which is shut them down. The offense cannot say the same thing. And that secondary is for real. Isaiah Oliver completely shut down that Texas State wide receiver he covered last week. I mean, they all look so good. Evan Worthington, Trey Udofia, Ryan Muller. I'm excited about everybody. Just excited. I had to laugh when I saw – I actually you retweeted it, Sam. It was a stat uh, that Pro Football Focus put out that was like, Isaiah Oliver shut down like Marcus King or something from Texas State. I was like, I would hope so. <laughs> like this, NF, this future NFL corner is probably supposed to shut down some guy that no one else has ever heard of. Could I say Isaiah Oliver took his crown? Yes, the, But yeah. not just shut down 0.0 passer rating when targeting Isaiah Oliver last week. That's, I think that's the big deal. Definitely. And, and this defense has yet to let a team get into the end zone, and that means something. Whether you're playing sure. Texas State or CSU or an actually good team, not letting teams into the end zone and making a habit of that is good. It's the same thing I, I talked about with the Broncos yesterday on our podcast over there was – they are now 5-0 and if you include their four preseason games. They've created a habit of winning football games, and that matters. The Buffaloes' defense has created a habit of keeping teams out of the end zone. And, no, they're not going to do it all season. They're not going to not allow a touchdown, as Ryan Moeller hopes. The best Ryan I know said something different. But <laughs> the thing is, they're, they're creating good habits on defense. They're showing that they're, they haven't taken a step back. And I love the fact that they don't want to let anyone score a touchdown. Um, I'm interested to see what CSU can do against Alabama's defense this week because, hey, <laughs> if they score six points, that's, that means the Buffs are better than Alabama. Did you see what uh, uh, Nick, St- or, uh, uh, Nick Saban said today about facing CSU? No. Oh, well, God. it's going to come down to what happens in the game. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Of that's, course. That's awesome. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's, that's cool though. I, I think it's cool that CSU is playing Alabama. CSU wanted Bama, they got Bama. Yeah, I mean, okay. Here, here's hypothetical: Are you rooting for Alabama to to win by less than what CU beat uh, CSU by? It's not possible for that. Time. Also, for CU to beat Northern Colorado by less, if Northern Colorado scored, let's say, six points, and CSU scores scored scored three against the Buffs. Let's say the Buffs score 24. So it's 24-6 against Northern Colorado. Are we calling Northern Colorado the best football team in Northern Colorado past north of 
I don't know, 287, whatever highway runs perpendicular to Longmont? Uh, yes. I, I want to do that. Are we rooting for Northern Colorado to score at least four points? How are they going to score four? <laughs> yeah, what? Well, maybe the well, Buffs offensive line. But that means nothing about the defense. <laughs> well, they shut them out. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, there's too much, too much going on there. All I know is I'm, I'm quite excited to watch CSU Alabama. That piques my interest. What time is that game on? I don't know. I hope not noon. Do you really want to watch that game? It's just going to be ugly, right? It's just going to be a bloodbath. Do you know how fun it is to watch the Rams get destroyed? (laughs) (laughs) They like that it's See, I'm not from Colorado, so I don't have this, like, urge to see CSU just beaten. I might stay at home and watch CSU just die on the football field rather than watch CU take victory over some team I've never heard of. All right. I just want to read Ram Nation all day. Oh, God, that (laughs) fight. Is that Ryan Krause? No, no, no. Ryan Krause is great. Uh, I met him. He's very Ram nice. Ram Nation is like they're all buffs. Ah. I went on there last week. Which is a very, very rude to all buffs. I love you all buffs. I don't mean to compare you, but it's the closest comparison. No, I went on two weeks ago when we were reading CSU hate comments on CU. And it was the hardest site to navigate. I was just so confused. The whole page, their whole front page was all talking about how CU cheated or how CU paid the refs. and just. It's like uh, Fort Collins, very hard to navigate, no purpose to it. All right, let's uh, talk a little more here, though, about this Northern Colorado game. Jake, what what does it take for you to feel confident about the Buffs heading into Washington? What do the Buffs have to do this week to make you feel that? I think I I don't need the defense to shut down Northern Colorado. I need them to allow 10 or less points. If they allow a touchdown and a field goal, I'm fine with it, especially if it's in the second half against the second-teamers. I need to see at least 15 minutes of second-teamers, maybe even 20 to 25. I need them to absolutely dominate Northern Colorado like they should, um, get at them from the get-go. They need to have those two-minute 80-yard drives in the first half rather than the second half. I need the Buffs to be up by 24 points at halftime, and then I'd feel pretty confident about this team heading into Washington. I don't want to say pretty confident, but I feel better about this team because right now we talked about the offensive liabilities. If the defense falls apart against Northern Colorado, obviously that's a huge concern. I just don't see that happening. Uh, But the number one thing I need to see is for Steven Montez to just run amok against this Northern Colorado defense, which has guys, which has zero players I've ever heard of. So, (laughs) <laughs> Steven Montez needs to treat them like he's never heard of them with just absolute disrespect and stiff arm people, go Stevie Queso on him, uh, maybe pitch it off to Phil Lindsay while halfway to the end zone just for, for gigs. You know, Darren I, I, Hagen style? Right. I just need to see Steven Montez ball. Like, I know Steven Montez can ball. We've seen Steven Montez ball. We've seen him ball against, you know, Oregon wasn't good last year, but they had all the talent in the world still. Sure as hell better than Texas State. Sure as hell better than Northern Colorado. Yeah. He needs to have one of those type of games. Yes, he's not going to play a full game if everything breaks right, but I need to see him throw for 300 yards and rush for 100 or close to it. I need to see everything click. I mean, every, like I agree with everything Jake just said. They need Everything needs to click. Special teams, defense, and offense, especially offense like we were saying. Steven Montez needs to just feel comfortable and find the wide receivers, feed Phil, and just feel good. I think um, that's a really good point, Allie, because you, you've been watching this team. How many times have they actually fed Phil this season? Yeah. You know, they did it early against Colorado State, and then it feels like it just disappeared. Exactly. 
so I just think they need to, like Jake was saying, they have to be out. Like, the first starters have to be out by halftime. They need to. Last week, Steven Montez started performing a little better in the third quarter against Texas State. That's, that's not okay. They need to be performing in the first half and then let this um, second team get in there and start playing and get some reps because they need some reps too. We talked about Oregon last year. Oregon State, how about that? Remember that game and that blowout? Steven Montez needs to treat Northern Colorado like it was Oregon State exactly. last or year. or Idaho State. All of it. Like, it needs to be just like last year's three first games. We need to see just utter domination. I want to see the wide receivers do what they were hyped all offseason to do, which is just, like, absolutely destroy all of these subpar teams that they're playing. And I, I agree with both of you guys. We need to see more of Phil. And more than anything, we need to still, or we need to see Phil get those big, like, breakaway runs. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't seen any of those. We do need to see twice as much Lindsay. Fortunately for us, we are going to get twice as much Lindsay in this game. God, that's amazing. I, I'm excited <laughs> to see what Marcus Lindsay can do. Anytime there's more Lindsay out there, that is a positive thing. Well, I have one more thing that I want to see um, from CU to feel confident going into Washington. It's They need to convert on third down. They had four for 15 last week or last Saturday, and on all three scoring drives in the third quarter, they didn't convert a single down. I think another thing uh, like, with CU, this was my literally every podcast last year, so I might as well just keep the tradition going. I need to see more from their kickers. Uh, James Stefano looked okay in that game. Is that how you pronounce it? He had three, yes. oh, yeah, he had three for three. Yeah, he was three for three, but he missed one of those field goals in the CSU game. Uh, I'd like to see him get some leg behind one really long field goal he's looked okay but he hasn't really impressed me too much I know some other people have been impressed uh, but I'm still more impressed by Diego Gonzalez earlier in the year last year than I am right well, now Diego by Diego Gonzalez is Diego Gonzalez but he wasn't always Diego no, Gonzalez no no he had a good True. start last year I'd like to see the Buffs not have to kick any field goals I agree with that that's sixes that's and sevens on the board all day that's what it should be sixes make the world go around Sixes and sevens all on the right. board like all day. It's like CSU all over again. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I think what constitutes a successful performance comes down 100% to the run game. I just want to see them open holes. It should be that simple. Can is, is there something wrong with this running scheme that you can't open up holes? Or is there something wrong with the players being motivated? Whatever it is. All of that should come to an end this week. And if they can't run the ball, then you should start being concerned about what, what they're going to be able to do in Pac-12 play. I want to talk about something that was one of our major talking points over the offseason, which we'll get to uh, in one second. The Blake Street Tavern. It's big fun on the corner of 22nd and Blake. 23rd and Blake, depending on which direction you are coming from, because it's so big, that's how much big fun it is. With three separate bars trying to do this everyone's laughing at me <laughs> just trying to be nice they they have lots of bars lots of drinks lots of foods it's good it's good stuff here delete your account <laughs> delete my voice my my voice coach aka me is disappointed in myself i want you guys to have a contest on who can um say a better read i think i can yeah i think jake can too yeah because oh, okay. i'm kind of like trained to, i'm like kind of in training to do that He's a better writer than I am. No, I just want to, him to attempt it. I think that'd be yeah, funny. Yeah, I, I want to hear Ryan do that too, actually. Well, we Challenge can't do extended. Free advertisements on this podcast, so we'll have to write a Blake Street Tavern read and read it. 
have a read off. I'm down. Next week. It's like Phil Rivers. Wait, but I, uh, we're the judges, and I give you the ability to rap if you would like, since I know you can do that. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not going to do that for sure. Okay. I miss the old RK. I don't think that's fair because they always make us do the all-name team, so I think that we should get to, like, I propose agree. segments as well. It's actually the guys who propose. You know, girls this can do it, Sadie too. This is Hawkins podcast. <laughs> it was a layup. That really hurt my feelings. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was really. You guys can propose whatever segments you want. Yeah, you're allowed to. And if you get a. They're just going to decline them. If you get a majority vote, you're allowed to pass it. Yeah, a.k.a. no. Chase can be the tiebreaker when he's here. Chase is going to agree with you guys. Exactly. No, not always. Chase Chase is on my team sometimes. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll talk him into it. Anyway, uh, the main talking point for us this offseason was turning the defense uh, in, in over from Jim Levitt to DJ Elliott and how that would go over. There were a lot of concerns. I myself had a ton of concerns. Are we not concerned? Are we past that point with DJ Elliott based on the first two games? Or do we need to see this defense against a team like Washington and into Pac 12 play? I actually even asked the players this week if they felt like they had silenced the doubters and they still feel like they have a ways to go. So I don't think that off of two kind of like you called them cupcake games, we can really make a judgment. But I mean,. I have a lot of faith in what he's done so far. I think Washington is going to be the test, right? I think that's like the first big game where we get to see how it's really going to play out. Yeah, I think the ones and the twos have looked good uh, for DJ Elliott's defense. Uh, because That was really good. Uh, <laughs> no, but for real. Mix it up, Ryan. <laughs> he, uh, he's proved me. Uh, he's at least made me stop worrying about him. Yeah. Like I don't think uh, I don't think of the defense. I don't think of the coaching on defense as a liability anymore. Um, yeah, it was CSU. Yeah, it was Texas State. I don't care if you're a weak defense. Uh, if you're poorly coached, any of those things, you don't let a team get into the red zone. You let yeah, exactly. You let up yards. You have breakdowns. They haven't had any of that. Um, they've looked so sound. And everything they did, they had one busted. DJ, you could say DJ's defense looks sound. Yes, DJ's defense looks sound. And uh, it's not even like a remix. It's it's literally oh just uh, the same exact defense. He's laying just down the same tracks. Right, just the same, the exact same uh, defense with different players. Honestly, they're making all the same plays. They look great in pass coverage. Uh, they had one busted run on the first play, I think, for Texas State. They, they broke out, and that – led uh, to some points for them, but it's honestly really impressive how they've looked so far because they just look <laughs> so crisp. Jake's just sitting there trying to think of more things, more puns. More DJ-related puns. Ryan was just spinning say. his wheels in his head until he thought of more puns. God. That's all we were all right, doing. Well, I, a little scratchy. I agree with you guys. what you guys say about DJ Elliott. I think he definitely has proven that he can coach a football team. And McIntyre gave him credit um, during the press conference, saying that a lot of it comes from the attitude that DJ Elliott has instilled on the team. Um, so like Ryan said, I think the defense isn't something to really worry about anymore in my eyes. you got to give some credit to Shadon Brown, too. I, I know they have a lot of the same guys in the secondary, but aside from Isaiah Oliver, no one had really played and everyone's looked pretty solid. They've had their moments, ups and downs. 
obviously Afalabe Laguda played. Afalabe Laguda looks different. Ryan Muller played too. Right, but Ryan Muller is kind of a linebacker. Ryan Muller does like everything. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He's just awesome, period. And he yeah. was awesome, and he still is awesome. All the credit in the world to Ryan Muller, but we also were doubting Afalabe Laguda a lot. Yeah. Have we seen anything out of Afalabe Laguda that has either confirmed our opinions or subjected them to change, or are we still in a holding pattern with that? We talked about this last week. Y'all were wrong. I was right. That's, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> it's not quite to that point yet. Uh, I think he still has a little to prove. What, I, what I've always been worried about with Afalabe Laguda is covering speedy players in the Pac-12. That's my concern. It's never been a, a concern of whether or not he's a good football player or not. Um, I think there was a, a, a maybe like an overcorrection to the hype by us because all of a sudden it was like, Afalabi Laguda is going to be the best player ever. And we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So, I, I've, you know, you always known that Afalabi Laguda could bring it on Saturdays. The issue is, does he have the talent when he's stuck in coverage against, you know, speedy uh, slot receivers in the Pac-12 or really talented tight ends in the Pac-12, how's he going to look then? So, yeah, he's looked great. And credit to him, he looks like he's in charge of the defense, which is a big part of why a lot of people were high on him. But, I like, Washington is going to be the first time you say, like, okay, he either took a step forward or he's still a bit of a liability in coverage against good Pac-12 players. Mike McIntyre talked about it recently in saying that ball skills are the most important thing a DB can learn. And ball skills was always the biggest knock on Afalabe Laguda. I don't think he's really had a chance to test out those ball skills as you were talking about. And I don't think he will until Washington. But he certainly looked pretty good back there. Uh, not a concern. And I think maybe the biggest uh, sign of positivity on the defense is something that was the biggest question mark. And that was the defensive line. Uh, the defensive line has been pretty solid thus far. Derek McCartney's continued to be Derek McCartney coming off that injury. He's had a... I think he's been a little fatigued, just not into it completely yet. But Javier Edwards has been pretty solid down the middle, and we caught up with Javier Edwards uh, this week at practice. Sam and Chase did. All right, so we'd like to welcome on Javier Edwards onto the show. Welcome, Javi. So uh, you're from the Houston area, right? So we just kind of want to talk to you a little bit about the hurricane and the aftermath and kind of how it's affected your friends and family. And I mean, yeah, everybody knows it, it flooded pretty bad, but, you know, uh, my my, fa- my friends and family are pretty strong, so we we we're gonna get through it. We're not not really worried too bad. We can't really, you know, be sad about it. We're gonna because you know they're strong people. We're gonna we're gonna get through it. Did you have some family and friends that were severely devastated? Or? Uh yeah, I did. I did. The um, the fifth ward area was pretty bad, and that's why I have my family. And that's that was, that was probably the baddest. All right, so now to go to a little lighter note. Um, I was wondering if you've been to any nice restaurants in Boulder. Do you have any favorite restaurants? Sure. <laughs> um, I've been to I've been to BJ's and um, what's the pasta? Um, pasta J's. Pasta J's. Yeah, yeah. I, I was on tour. Really been to. Have you found any good tacos up here? I'm from Texas too, so I'm always wanting. No, I haven't. I, I've been looking for a good taco truck. I haven't found one either. So I, I, I ain't seen one taco truck. Yeah, me neither. There's <laughs> apparently, there's like a little, um, like, group of uh, taco trucks and stuff like that, food trucks up a little bit north, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen them either. What, else, what are your, some of your favorite foods? Sure, anything that tastes good. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I really don't have a favorite, but you know, I probably, I like pasta. 
Alright, is there anything you hate? Anything I hate? Like broccoli, I don't know. Uh, Spanish. Man, I hate. What do I hate? I hate carrots. <laughs> I hate carrots. Sore, so. Fair. Um, okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, video games, I guess. So, do you play video games a lot? Oh, yeah. Okay. But what do you like? So, uh, Madden, 2K, um, all the Call of Duties. Okay. Stuff like that. Which one's your favorite Call of Duty? Um, probably Modern Warfare. Okay. Mm-hmm. Modern Warfare 2 or the first? The oh, first. No, two, two. Yeah, two, 2 is my favorite by far, yeah. too. Um, did, did you ever play college football? Yeah, I did. Do you still play it? There are some players that no, still I play. I have my, I have my Xbox 360 back home, uh-huh. and, and that's the last system that had um, the college football game. So I, uh, yeah, I haven't played it in a long time. If you could rank yourself in college football, what do you think it'd be? Um, Your overall. My overall? Yeah. Oh, I mean. I rank myself number one or, uh, <laughs> shoot, I'm 99. I'm, shoot, 99 everything? Yeah. Uh-huh. I like that. What do you think your strength would be? My strength? Yeah, in college oh, football. Like, which oh. one, where do you think you would rank the highest? Oh, my, my strength would be on 99 for sure. Okay. <laughs> right. Everything else, maybe. That's pretty far-fetched, but strength, I know for a fact, I'll be 99. Okay, fair. All right, so last week you got to sneak in a little question with Coach McIntyre about mm-hmm. playing Wildcat quarterback. Is that something you've actually done before? Um, shoot, I, I haven't played. Uh, I, I, and literally, I played running back. <laughs> I played everything, but uh, and I was still a big dude. But since then, I haven't. I mean, I've gotten the ball before in, in middle school, but. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have any? They didn't have any like special packages for you in JUCO. Um, <clears throat> Goal line packages, nothing nah, like that. Uh-uh. So that's something you're trying to implement here. Which they talked about it, but we never had to run. So, are, are you trying to implement that there? Try to get Coach Max here a few more times. Uh huh. Try to into it. <laughs> and then, so you're considered a pretty funny guy. I've heard it from a few different players. Do you have any favorite, like, funny guys on the team that you really like? Just oh. make you laugh. <laughs> uh, Chris Malumba and Leo Jackson. Yeah, the two D line. Yeah. Uh huh. Those are my dudes right there. <laughs> <laughs> what are, give me some examples of kind they of just, humor they, to that. They just funny. They just, sometimes it's, Chris will just say something. <laughs> I don't know. They just they just some funny dudes. Do, do you understand Chris most of the time? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's why everything's funny. Because uh, I'm the only one. Everybody else understands them but me. <laughs> For some reason, me and we can't click. <laughs> You, you guys have been clicking on the football field, though, yeah, so far. I know, I know. How have you liked being in there and playing so much early? Oh, I love it, I love it. You're liking the system, you fit in well here, you, oh, yeah. you're liking everything about it? Yeah. All right, then last question. Um, do you have a good nickname? I know people call you Javi, but, like, a better nickname than that. Um, a lot of people call me Papi Chulo. Okay, Papi Chulo, mm-hmm. where'd yeah. that come from? Uh, I just some. uh... Like nobody would call me. I just made it up. <laughs> uh, I've been trying to force it. Okay. Well, that's years. something that we can do on the, <laughs> we'll right here. We'll tell everybody. We're like your branding people. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's actually Spanish for pimp daddy. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, that's very Texas. All right. <laughs> Papa Chulo, Javier Edwards, thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you.
Thanks to big old number nine, Javier Edwards, for joining us. I had a conversation with Mike McIntyre and uh, Darren Cheverini earlier this year during sp- spring ball. And, oh, no, it was with Jawan Winfrey. I'm sorry. It was with Jawan Winfrey. And I said, Jawan, you know, last year you got confused with Tedrick a bunch on the defense because you both wore number nine. Do you think that's going to happen at all this year? And he just goes, ha-ha, and then left. <laughs> so no one's confusing Juwan Winfrey and Javier Edwards. He showed up about as much in that conversation as he has this season. Oh. I was dreading that com- comment because he has dreadlocks. Stop. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we talked about it at the beginning. Javier Edwards' nickname that he gave himself. One, giving nicknames to yourself, really bad look. Confirmed awful. What I heard was players are ac- actually call him it. But he says he's been pushing it. Like, since yeah. he got here, he's been being like, you guys need to call he me like this. He wants the fans to call him that. He's yeah. been, is he pushing that as hard as he's pushing offensive linemen? Probably not. He's been pretty good. He's been amazing, honestly. <laughs> honestly. And you have to. Insane. It's funny. I'm starting to realize in college football, just having someone that large is, like, really all you need. <laughs> like, they should start going to Japan and just oh, recruiting wow. sumo wrestlers to play in the middle of offensive lines. Like, that's the next thing. It was Aussie kickers for a while. Like, <laughs> oh, we're going to go to Australia and get Aussie, football, uh, Aussie rules football players to kick for us. The next thing is sumo wrestlers in the middle of the line in college football. But they need to be able to be fast. Oh. No, no. They just have well, to be there. At least a little bit. They need to be able to run. Those sumo wrestlers are agile. He I just mean, needs to, they're to, athletes. to plug the A-gaps. A <laughs> or because you need a large nose tackle. I'm sure somewhere in Israel they have some large nose tackles. Only you can make that joke. I know, and it's great. Only, uh, only Jew can make that joke. <laughs> uh, but I've also always thought in hockey – they should put sumo wrestlers as goalies that were just, like, so fat that you couldn't get anything past them. Your best skater in hockey needs to be your goalie. You actually need – it's actually better to have a smaller goalie that's more agile than a bigger goalie that's I'm just not. saying if he fills up the entire goal and you can never get anything past him, how are you going to score? Yeah, that's a good point. Well, deflections and tips. but No, you could just deflect it off him all day. But, but there's no room for the goal. If, there's you're no shooting, the, if you're shooting to the weak side – and you can tip it in pretty easily. You know, he's not just going to stand there straight. He's obviously going to be moving. No, so his job is just to sit there. There's no gaps there. anywhere, and it just hits off him all night. There's no gaps, just fats. That's going to hurt him. Well, yeah, he's going to get hurt. <laughs> he's going to get hurt. You need several of them on your roster. But at what point has player safety been an issue in professional sports? Oh, wow. Literally Thanks. zero times ever. Or college sports, for that matter, really. Anyway, uh, besides Javier Edwards, there have been some other really good-looking guys on the defense. And I think the best, most underrated guy thus far uh, has been Leo Jackson. And Leo, uh, we've always been a huge fan of Leo just because how bright he is as a human. Uh, Ryan and I have both have really good conversations with, uh, with Leo over the years. And, he's also uh, just so funny. He's yeah, he's just like, like genuine. such a lovable guy. Like he's such a good dude. Like not everybody on the football team is a good person. Like, like everyone in life isn't a great person. Leo Jackson is like a genuinely good human being. And you'll uh, get to know a little more about him in BSN 10 this week. Um, so stay tuned for that. Or 10 good questions. Sunday. He's so Sunday? funny. Yes. So we'll, we have an interview with him asking him some of our toughest questions. But Sam, you've <laughs> been uh, captivated by the way Leo has played. What have you seen out of him? Uh, in the front seven. I mean, it's been it's been a lot of players on that defensive line, but, I mean, Leo just seems like he can be everywhere all at once. I mean, it's him and Drew Lewis have been the two players that I've been the most impressed with on that line. I mean, 
Derek McCartney, Javier Edwards have both played really well, but I don't know. I mean, Leo's the one who told me that Drew Lewis is built like a linebacker but moves like a cornerback, and I think that's, like, such a good way to describe the way that he's been able to move. I mean, Leo has the lion's share of the sacks for the Buffs defense so far, and four and two games, that's on a ridiculous pace. He's he's looking like he's going to be able to replace exactly what Jimmy Gilbert did last year. Jackson has been making a lot of action this year. Three last week. That was crazy. That was just. he, And he's, like, uniquely shaped, I guess, on the football field. Like, no one looks like him. Like, he has a distinct look. And maybe that's kind of what you, you were talking about with Drew, where he just moves differently than everybody else. Uh, but he plays with a savvy that's kind of unique at the college game, and one we didn't really get to see before just because he didn't play. But you can tell, even against these cupcake teams, that he's a genuinely smart defensive player. Absolutely. And he has great style also. So, despite what Isaiah Oliver yeah, said. Yeah, Isaiah Oliver doesn't think so. <laughs> Isaiah Oliver's not the only one to call Leo out on that. That's a hurdle that Leo Jackson will have to them. get over. Maybe it's because I'm white. I don't, I don't think he dresses badly when I see him, like, around campus. I'm not like, oh, Leo Jackson looks terrible. No, he's. I saw him rocking, like, this jean jacket once, his sleeves yes. rolled up. Well, so. Isaiah Oliver was saying his style just doesn't fit from where he is. He dresses like he's from California when he's from Arizona. Isaiah Oliver just doesn't like the short shorts on Leo Jackson. Yeah, which he's a track runner, so he deals with that a lot. <laughs> I don't know where the judgment's coming from. It's all better than Phil Lindsay. Or is it? Or is nothing better than Phil Lindsay's style? I'll never forget the day he wore that, uh, (laughs) that, what, what, was it navy or, or like, green, bluish thermal out. (laughs) And he thought he was the flyest looking person on the planet. He's so funny. He's also wearing, like, a male version of, like, a choker. (laughs) (laughs) And he had, like, khaki pants. He can wear whatever he wants. With, like, eight pockets stuffed to the brim. They might have been full of napkins, for all we know. It looked like he was carrying a lot of things. He was he was not only carrying the Colorado Buffaloes on his back that day, he was carrying eight pockets worth of stuff. <laughs> Every time I see Phil Lindsay, he's carrying a jug of water and wearing, like, slide sandals, and that's, like, my full impression of him as a person. That's the college athlete starter pack. That's the JaVale I, McGee. But it's always with Phil. Jug life. Jug life. <laughs> that was JaVale McGee's best era, the um, only era which, which JaVale McGee was relevant. Hey, I think that's time to uh, wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast for this week. We uh, had a lot of fun. It was real. And, of course, it was real fun. For Ryan Koenigsberg, Ali Monroy, Sam Weaver, I'm Jake Shapiro. Tune into all of our content or click on it. Not because You can't really tune in to the internet. That's not how the internet works. Well, you can tune in to the podcast. You can watch our videos and click on our stories. Great to have you back, Jake. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> all on bsnbuffs.com. Uh, you can see all of our stuff. Uh, mine at Chapalicious, Rockies and Buffs. Him, Brian Koningsberg, mostly Broncos, a little bit of Buffs. Ali Monroy, executive producer of the video team over at BSN Denver, which the team is Ali Monroy. And then uh, you've got Sam Weaver covering the Buffs and doing a phenomenal job. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking with us all season long. We'll be back next week with a fresh edition of the BSN no idea what a Vietnamese sandwich tasted like, but it turns out I loved my grilled lemongrass beef sandwich.